you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ha! Got him! That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on The Mandalorian, The Bad Batch, Ahsoka, Jedi Survivor, and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. Uh, As always, I'm your host, Kyle. I'm joined by uh, just my co-host, Tim, today. How's it going, Tim? What's up, Kyle? It's doing good. We're back on track this week with two awesome episodes of star wars tv to talk about so had a little bump in the road last week but obviously still enjoyable but well for me it was (laughs) (laughs) but this time it's smooth sailing with these two so (laughs) i'm really excited to talk about these ones yeah I, i don't know what bump in the road you're talking about from last week but this week was another awesome week of just getting two incredible star wars stories um of course we're mostly going to focus on mando we'll talk a little bad batch too we also have a trailer for uh, a new trailer for Jedi Survivor that just dropped uh, earlier this week. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, first and foremost, we're just going to get the movie stuff out of the way real quick. There is a little bit more movie news. It's not necessarily good news, but at this point, I'm not really wanting to keep dwelling on this stuff. Um, just kind of waiting to see when we actually get an announcement of a movie that is in production and actually happening. Um but it was announced earlier this week. Uh, it was earlier this week, maybe late last week. I think it was after our last episode that uh, the Star Wars movie that uh, I think we had talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, the one that Damon Lindelof is writing. Um, he now has apparently uh, Damon Lindelof and Justin Britt Gibson, who were uh, the two guys that were writing that movie together, have left that project uh, shortly after completing their first draft of the script. Uh, shortly thereafter, it was rumored slash announced, uh, not officially through Lucasfilm, but through Variety and the Hollywood trades and stuff, that Stephen Knight uh, is taking over writing that movie. And then it was announced shortly after that, that Stephen Knight is writing another big like Hitchcock adaptation that's coming out. And so people were like, you know, there was a lot of speculation on like, did Lindelof get fired? Was he, you know, was this a, like a creative differences thing or was this sort of always intended as like a, he did one draft of the script just to kind of get them started and then somebody else takes over. And now with Stephen Knight being attached to star Wars, but also to this other big project, people are thinking, well, maybe he really is just doing, um, you know, some touch-ups and revisions on the script rather than like starting it over from scratch or something like that. Um, So it's been a whole lot of hoopla about this, but nobody really knows sort of what the full story is or what the state is, uh, you know, of this movie is. Aside from the fact that 
this is, you know, the, this movie that they're talking about is supposedly the next Star Wars movie that's supposed to be coming in 2025 that's supposed to be announced at Celebration. So hopefully we'll have some more details and some more clarification on that in a couple of weeks. I don't know if we'll actually have clarity on all this behind the scenes drama and, you know, writers taking over for other writers and stuff, but Hopefully we'll at least get confirmation that this movie is still happening, that it has a release date, you know, what it's about, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully it's still on track. Is it, is it not? I don't know. I'm just enjoying Mando and Bad Batch at this point. And again, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm just like, you know, wake me up when we actually know that a Star Wars movie is happening and can start getting excited for it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, I'm just mentioning it here at the beginning because it's been causing quite a stir over the past couple of days. But, uh, you know, this may end up being a big thing. It may end up not really being anything. I think the important thing is that it seems like this movie is still on track. Um, it still has a director attached and, you know, now has a new writer attached. So uh, it seems to still be going, you know, full steam ahead if this is indeed the next Star Wars movie that we're going to be getting out in theaters. So I hope everything goes well with it uh but we'll see time will tell yeah i mean here here to just everything you said right there <laughs> i pretty much feel exactly the same way don't really have much desire to discuss all that behind the scenes stuff whether it's drama filled or not let's just get to celebration europe and hopefully get some actual announcements made there of what we can expect from the next star wars movie and then just Hope that that announcement comes to fruition and we're in a theater in the not too distant future enjoying a new Star Wars movie. So here's to that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, let's get to the exciting stuff. Uh, first of all, like I said, we've got the new trailer for Star Wars Jedi Survivor, uh, the the official story trailer that just came out this past Monday. Um I love this trailer. We got a lot of a lot of new stuff in here. I think so far up to this point, really. Most of the stuff we had seen from the game was just kind of like action and combat gameplay and stuff like that and seeing some new uh, some new areas to explore and stuff. But it was all kind of centered around this one new planet that I think is called Kobo, uh, which we definitely still see more of in this trailer. But we also see Coruscant. We see more of your old party members returning from the first game. We see Cal reunited with Marin and Grease. Uh, we see Seer again, who we've seen in, uh, I think she was in the last trailer, so we knew she was coming back, but we hadn't seen Marin and Grease yet. Um, of course, I knew. I was like, there's no way they're not going to have them show up in this game. Like, they're too big a part of the story in the first one and too already beloved by fans for them to just completely leave them out. But still, I know some people were getting antsy because we hadn't seen them yet. And uh, not only do they show up, but they make a good showing in this trailer, Marin especially. I mean, she's got a cool yeah. new outfit. Uh, and we see, um, you know, she's she's got some cool lines of dialogue. And then also we see her teaming up with Cal and doing some cool combat moves. And um, I think one thing that they've talked about is this game is going to have sort of like a, I don't know if it's quite like a companion system like you would have in like a Bioware RPG where you have companion characters. But I know at least in certain points of the game, you'll have characters that you're allies with in the story that actually will like fight alongside you and you get to do kind of like combo moves and that's sort of part of the mechanic there um obviously there's a part in the first game where Marin jumps in and helps you in one of the boss fights but you don't really get to control her at all or sort of interact with her she's just kind of randomly throwing stuff at the guy you're fighting um but in this one like we had seen it in a previous trailer with um the new character i think his name is bode um this is like a, a new um you know ally character that's going to be in this game 
Um, and I think in, in a previous trailer, we had seen him and Cal working together. And now we see that him with him, with him and Marin, um, you know, doing some cool combo moves and stuff. So I'm excited to see those guys back again. I'm excited for the new, uh, you know, new gameplay and combat moves and stuff. And I'm excited to go back to Coruscant and, uh, explore some other cool new locations and stuff in this game. So, um, yeah, that's coming out in just over a month. Uh, you know, the trailer got me even more excited for it, and I just can't wait to finally get my hands on this and be able to play it. Yeah, it was another cool trailer that just gets you more excited for the game. I mean, yeah, it was story focus, and I'm glad it was one that showed us some of those familiar faces that we know and love from the first game and just getting more of an idea how they're going to be involved in Jedi Survivor. Um, I mean, I'm curious with Grease as far as, you know, how is he... How does he feel about a cow being the only one with? Uh, it looks like he has like the mantis is his ship now. I wonder if they came to an agreement or uh, it's going to be because it looks to be on friendly terms on this trailer where they show each other giving a hug. Um, is is it something where Grease is going to give him some some flack or like some jokes about almost like Lando to Han like what are you doing? With <laughs> yeah, that type of stuff. So um, that should make for some fun stuff. But I am curious to see like how because we you know. The Mantis was everything that Grease in the first game. <laughs> so the fact that he's allowing Cal to pilot it on his own, it makes me wonder what happened there. Um, but other than seeing some of those familiar faces, I, I'm really anxious and excited to see the story about um, that character um, who, as we've seen previous trailers, looks like Cal um, unfroze from like a cryogenic sleep type thing who looks to be a Jedi from the High Republic. And we got some better looks at him now where his Jedi guard mm -hmm. does seem to really, really resemble that he's from the High Republic era. And I don't think that's going to be a huge um, secret going into it because it's just going to make, I think, for a very interesting part of the story because he has that line, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but like he says, how can you let this machine of an empire take over the galaxy or take, take down the Jedi? Something to that effect. And I just can't wait to see his reaction to the state of the galaxy. If he's coming from the high Republic era where it was the height of the Jedi and the Republic during that time to see it all come crashing down. It's now being ruled by an empire. The Jedi are all but extinct and just how that's going to mess with them. It's, I think that's going to be a very fascinating avenue of the story to see play out. So that was another aspect of the trailer. I really, really liked. So yeah, we're almost there. Like you said, just a little over a month and I cannot wait to start playing this because Jedi Survivor is going to kick off just what's going to be a great few months of gaming for me <laughs> with some big titles. I cannot wait to play a Jedi Survivor is the first one up, and I just can't wait to get my hands on it. This trailer was just really, really cool. And needless to say, the game just looks absolutely stunning graphically. It's just going to be mm -hmm. such a sight to behold to play um, this story looking the way it does just from the glimpses we got in the trailer. So, yeah, everything about it was really cool. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, I mean, that that mysterious Jedi character that seems to be someone who somehow survived from the High Republic era. Um, I think he's going to be a really intriguing character, finding out just, you know, what happened to him, how he ended up here. And like you said, seeing his perspective on things now, because he says, yeah, he, he says something like, uh, you know, how could you let the Republic fall to this machine of an empire? And um, and I mean, from what we've seen so far, this character seems to be sort of placed as a villain within the story or at least an antagonist to Cal. Um, now, maybe they'll get to a point in the story where they end up, you know, kind of coming to common ground and end up working together. Um, but that would be a really interesting twist on a, a, a villain to have it be a Jedi from a who survived from a different era 
who sees what the Jedi of you know the prequel era became and the way that they were corrupted and blinded mm -hmm. by Palpatine and the bureaucracy and the politics and everything and says like that's not the you know that's not my Jedi order like you're my enemy if you could let the Jedi come to mm -hmm. something like that and and allow the Republic to become what it has um and seeing you know Cal as an enemy just you know for being sort of complicit in that or because he maybe has some like i don't know what his plans are going to be you know obviously he's not going to be working for the empire i don't think and he seems to be working with um i know there's going to be some like mercenary band on kobo or something i forget their name but um i know those are also some of the main new villains in this game there's a guy that you see cal fighting in the in this trailer that's got like uh yeah it looks like he's got a lightsaber but he's also got like armor and a jetpack and stuff um and there's some other like you know big intimidating looking you know sort of mercenary type guys so it seems like he's gonna be working with them and maybe he's gonna try to uh you know use them to achieve his own means of sort of reshaping the galaxy or carving out his own little corner of it or exacting justice on remaining jedi or you know whatever his plans are i don't know but it's going to be really interesting to see just sort of that clash of ideologies of like what the Jedi should be and what they've become and stuff like that. So, um, and then there's also some stuff too, with like Cal talking about um, finding a new home for the Jedi, or at least for, you know, maybe he's just talking about for himself and Marin and Grease and Seer. But um, if they do still have any sort of hope of like, not maybe restoring the Jedi order to its former glory, but at least maybe making some kind of sanctuary for, uh former jedi to live in peace you know away from the empire and to to help out anybody else that's still out there it seems like that might sort of come into play too and um like you know there's a, a part where um cal's looking at this new you know it looks like some location that looks very sort of beautiful and peaceful and i don't know if it's on kobo or if it's some other planet um but he's the you know there's some dialogue that plays over it where he says something about like uh place we could finally call home or you know a place worth fighting for whatever the cost and so um it seems like that might be part of the story as well <clears throat> of course all this we're talking about you know just from this one story trailer that's giving us a lot of new stuff and yet there's stuff from like the very first teaser trailer that we haven't really even seen pop up again like the um the imperial you know the guy that uh the Utapawan guy um yeah who's sitting right. there in the shadows and has cal's lightsaber and then we see cal fighting somebody with a red lightsaber and i can't tell if it's that same guy or if it's a different inquisitor or what um but it's like you know every one of these trailers gives us like some really interesting new details and then like also just doesn't expand on things that we got teased in earlier trailers and it's you know kind of makes you forget like oh yeah that's still a thing too so there's gonna be a lot going on in this game and uh man i just can't wait to uh finally play it and see what story they've got in store for us i think it's going to be something really cool yeah i mean let's get to april 28th <laughs> the sooner the better as until we get our hands on that game and start experiencing all this stuff yeah. for ourselves and just add to the you know exciting period of time we're in for star wars right now with the tv stuff and then when that wraps up we'll be just moving into the video game side of things and just keep that star wars train rolling for 2023 with just awesome stuff we were excited to see roll out this year mm -hmm. yeah definitely and then obviously we'll have to do a, a big long review episode for that when that game comes out and we finally you know get all the way through it and we've all finished it and stuff and that'll also be one of the things we get to do a panel on at uh, phoenix fan fusion too so that'll be a lot of fun 
Um, but all right, let's go from Bad Batch uh, or, or from Jedi Survivor into Bad Batch. Um, I'm not going to say a whole lot about this for now, just because I just talked about it on uh, Rebel Cells last night. I'm excited to get into Mando. But also, I mean, this was a great episode of Bad Batch, but um, we're almost already at the end of the season. Um, we've just got one more week left and there's a two part finale next week. Um, but this episode really kind of felt like a part one of like a three part finale um, with the stuff it started setting up and then the way that it kind of ended on a cliffhanger. So um, I'm going to save most of my thoughts for like the next time we talk about Bad Batch after the finale and kind of lump all three of these last episodes together and, you know, we can go really in depth on it. But Tim, I know you wanted to talk about it a little bit before we get into uh, this week's Mando episode. So uh, I'll let you have the floor to talk. Uh, I'm sure it's going to have something to do with your boy Crosshair being back, but uh, <laughs> go for it. Yeah, well, right when I clicked the Bad Batch on Disney Plus and saw that it was an image of Crosshair as the thumbnail, I was like, yes. <laughs> Glad they're not saving him just for the final two. It'll be here in the, the third to last episode. So that was already getting the episode off to a great start. But and I agree with what you're saying, how this really does feel like part one of three for this finale story arc that. Um, they're going to tell over these next three episodes, but this episode was another fantastic one. I keep going back and forth between, to me, this moves up with an, in the discussion for me as far as the best episode of the season with the solitary clone and the outpost and now tipping point. There's just so much great stuff in this one, but um, I guess the main thing I just want to talk about really, because I think you're right. It would probably be good to have a, a big discussion on this entire story arc once the we get the final two episodes next week. But what I really loved about this episode was that opening sequence and just the theme that was playing out through over the course of this episode about the clones coming together and rescuing and just looking out for the other clones who are being taken prisoner and probably being killed and just being... Uh, mistreated in so many different ways by the Empire, and we're finally seeing what Echo is doing. Um, we didn't see him with Rex in this episode, but is working with Rex and going on these rescue missions. I think that was just awesome. It was just a great way to kick off this episode, and I said a, this in a tweet last night after I saw it, how this is one of my favorite openings in any Star Wars um, ever, because not because it had amazing action um, that... Um, blew me away or it was cool action but it wasn't something that uh, you probably put as the best star wars action sequence but, but if you mix in with some cool action but to me this is the biggest thing was what i was seeing unfold with the story of the clones seeing clones come together trying to rescue other clones and make the empire as uh, they were being taken prisoner seeing clone troopers in their <laughs> awesome looking armor go up against those tk stormtroopers was just awesome i've been waiting to see something like that for so long and i'm hoping this is just the tip of the iceberg of what's to come maybe in the uh, finale episodes where we really see a full-on battle between um these clones um, like clone, clone freedom fighters for lack of a better word who are coming together they're growing and growing as rex and echo are kind of building up their group in this network of clones that are trying to help other clones who are obviously having trouble getting away from the empire so I just love that it was been teased throughout the course of the season. Now we're seeing seeing them in action and doing um, what they're doing to help uh, protect these clones and help them get free from the Empire. So I just love that story beat of how this episode kicked off with actually seeing them 
go rescue some clones who were being held prisoner, but probably weren't going to remain prisoners for long, but they're either going to be uh, executed or experimented on. So uh, it was just great to kind of see them get that victory and rescue one of their brothers. Um, so yeah, I just, even Echo has that line in the middle of the episode where he's talking to Hunter and Hunter's like saying like, how long can you keep doing this? And this Echo just, I think, I'm not sure if it was after Hunter's response or Echo was responding to Hunter or he said this before Hunter said that line to him, like how long can you keep doing this? But Echo just, I just love how it's just so important for him to help his brothers. And that's all he's pretty much focused on right now. And I just love that about him. And I just think it's just a really cool to see that in action when, and just seeing the different ways the clones I mean, are dealing with this scenario being decommissioned from the empire as soldiers you see echo and some other clones with uh gregor and obviously still working with rex doing their part to save other clones but then you got the bad batch who are kind of coming to terms with maybe they're done their soldier days are behind them and they've found a nice place that they could spend the rest of their lives without having to fight and then you you got the crosshair scenario who's maybe finally coming coming around full circle, so to speak, but he's going going through a heck of a lot <laughs> to get to that point again as far as enduring tremendous pain and torture uh, by the Empire. Um, but yeah, the stuff with Crosshair in this episode was just great as well, not um, bending to uh, the torture droid and just the shocks that they were giving to him by the doctors and seeing him try to make that escape. But, you know, still seeing the softer side of Crosshair, too, where he took out all the stormtroopers. But when it came to that uh, doctor who was trying to tell him, like, there's no way out, he switches his blaster to stun and lets her live. And then he finally realizes he has to warn uh, his fellow brothers in Clone Force 99, let them know that the Empire is looking for them and that he uses a code that only they would recognize. But (laughs) obviously, because of his past actions, they're not immediately going to trust them. Um, but I did like how at least Wrecker and Tech and were kind of, yeah, let's, they didn't flat out say it, but they had uh, the tone in their voices. Like, let's, let's kind of, we got to go rescue Crosshair. But Hunter was a little more uh, held back and just kind of a little more hesitant and remembering what the traps that Crosshair had for them before. So obviously we know they're going to go attempt to rescue him. And I just cannot wait to see how all that plays out. You mix in uh, them wanting to rescue Crosshair. Uh, the information Echo brought them of how that's where they're taking all the clones. So it's just, I just think it's going to make for an awesome uh, battle, like I said, hopefully against the Empire and the remaining clone troopers, but also thematically, I think, just add a whole another layer to the clone story as the series keeps moving forward, which is what I've enjoyed so, so much over the course of these two seasons. Two seasons and I think we're just going to get more of that great stuff that deals with the clones in these next two episodes. So yeah, tipping point was fantastic. I just absolutely loved pretty much every second of it. So uh, this was on the Bad Batch and animation side of things, just a very, very strong way to, uh, I, I was going to say kick off the day of good Star Wars content, but it's up to you what you want to watch, what you want to watch first. So I wouldn't say necessarily clicked off, but it was just, again, great to have that one-two punch of great Star Wars television on on a wednesday again so yeah i absolutely love this episode yeah definitely it was it was cool to see some of that stuff finally start materializing that we've speculated about and wanted to see as far as just sort of all these different threads coming together like seeing echo and rex actually in action like fighting against the empire fighting to help other clones 
um, seeing Crosshair finally turn and, uh, you know, the, the rest of the Bad Batch deciding they finally have to go rescue him. And, um, you know, it was, like I said, it was a good start to what I think is going to be a really exciting, you know, just three-part story. Um, and I think there's going to be uh, a lot of cool stuff going on in these next two episodes. I can't believe the season's almost over already. I know. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really cool one. Um, even, you know, seeing Senator Chuchi again, you know, yeah, helping out the clones. Right. Um, also, I don't know if you mentioned this. Obviously, at the beginning, we see Echo going and rescuing all those clones. But one of them was Hauser, who we had seen. Yeah. Uh, you know, last season get captured on Ryloth for being kind of one of the first clones that we see turn against the empire. And so it was glad to see that he's okay and that they rescued him and brought him into the fold. So, um, yeah, I hope these next two episodes are just a ton of familiar faces of clones that we know and love standing up for, uh, you know, themselves and their brothers and what they believe in. And I just hope that as many of them as possible, make it out alive because, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of ways that this could go right, and there's a lot of ways that this could go <laughs> yeah. wrong. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, and obviously I know Dave Filoni is the creator of the series and an executive producer on the series. I don't know how really involved he is in it, you know, being off doing Mando and Ahsoka and stuff, but uh, if there's one thing we know Dave loves doing, it's killing off fan-favorite clone troopers and just stabbing us all in the heart. Um, so... I don't know. I'm I'm expecting some uh, some pain in these next couple episodes, but also kind of hoping for the best. I'm really hoping that the point of last week's episode, Pabu, was to establish that planet so it can be a sanctuary for some clone troopers to hide away from the Empire from. And that's yeah, kind of a happy ending for some of them after maybe what they go through in these finale episodes. That's kind of where. Uh, they rendezvous or make their their home for a little bit anyway so we'll see but i'm hoping it's it's a happy ending for most <laughs> but you're right mm -hmm. we probably should expect some uh not to make it and probably some that are some fan favorite characters so <laughs> we'll see but i cannot wait to see the story unfold well one thing too that i'll ask you because I, I i brought this up with joe on rebel cells last night but i'm curious to hear your thoughts on it which is I don't like I, I assume we're getting more Bad Batch after this, just because if this was going to be the final season, you would have, you would think that they would have announced that by now. But at the same time, I don't remember them having officially announced the season three. And with mm -hmm. the way the story is going right now, like one possibility that I definitely could see is them, you know, finding Pabu going, hey, you know what? We could build a good life here. And then going, oh, wait, we got one more mission. We got to go rescue Crosshair from the Empire. Um, and then maybe, again, like if their mission is successful, they rescue Crosshair. They help liberate those other clones that are stuck on Mount Tantus that um, maybe they could, uh, you know, come back to Pabu and kind of settle down and that could be the end of the story or at least a good point to kind of leave the story for a while and, and let these characters just have some peace um, at least for the Bad Batch so um, yeah I don't know I mean do you do you kind of see the story going that way or do you think we're definitely getting getting more after this or you know had that even crossed your mind at all it did a little bit as far as the possibility of maybe season two is going to be the last one um, but I'm kind of leaning towards we're going to get another season and maybe that'll be it. Um, because I do think they would have mentioned it that this was going to be 
the last season of the series. And if I recall, I think it wasn't too long after the season one finale that they announced season two was coming. So maybe it would kind of be a quick turnaround after these episodes air, or maybe they're saving it for celebration to announce season three. But as far as like having that be the end of the series of them kind of staying on Pabu, that is something I could see being the eventual outcome for most of the clones as I was talking about. So maybe it's not necessarily the end game for the bad batch, but maybe for the storyline of clone troopers being decommissioned and trying to find their place in the galaxy amongst the empire and leaving the service as soldiers to the empire. Maybe that story will conclude here. I'll let them, the majority of them being on Pabu, but some of them else, um, still going off on other places, maybe doing other missions. Cause obviously we know Rex, Gregor and Wolf, um, end up on a different planet <laughs> as we saw in rebels. Uh, but again, that's years down the line. So a lot of stuff can happen between now and the time of rebels when we see him again, but maybe that's something that I can see playing out where maybe it'll just be a whole new story that gets introduced in season three. That's mainly just focusing on the bad batch and not most and not dealing with, uh, the rest of the clone troopers in the galaxy. So we'll see. But I do think if you, if I were how I'm feeling right now, I still I would bet on getting a season three and season two not being the last. But uh, I guess we'll find out in next week or at least at celebration or at least if it is whatever they have planned, they don't keep us hanging because that was something I appreciated when season one ended because we didn't know for sure if there was going to be a second season throughout the course uh, when season one was airing. But it was like right away they let us know season two is coming. So. Uh, one way or another, if it's not continuing, if it is, I hope we just know um, sooner rather than later. So uh, we don't, we're not left wondering uh, the state of the series, especially if it ends kind of on a cliffhanger, or at least on a note that doesn't feel like it's a conclusion and everything's resolved for the characters. Because if that's the case and we don't hear anything about a season three, that's going to be really frustrating and something we'll be anxiously wanting to hear. So. Um, hopefully it's the same as they did for season one going into season two, but I, I don't think as of right now that season two will be the final season of the bad batch. Yeah. Well, there is, I believe there's a bad batch panel at celebration. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of like a retrospective on season two, but I would assume that if there's going to be a season three, that that's where they'll announce it. But see, that's another thing that kind of makes me nervous for how the finale is going to go, because it's like, if they, if they get a bunch of the surviving clones together and they put a force together to go you know, uh, attack Mount Tantus or, or infiltrate Mount Tantus and they rescue Crosshair and they rescue a bunch of the other clones that are being experimented on there and they get away safely and the Bad Batch is reunited and Crosshair's a good guy again. Then I'm kind of left wondering, like, well, how much more story do you have there? Um, I mean, that's sort of a nice, neatly wrapped up story arc for the Bad Batch. And at least for the clones fighting the Empire, it's like, obviously, the Empire's not going to fall. So I feel like that would be a good victory for the clones to be like, hey, you know, we helped out our brothers. We stuck it to the Empire. You know, we we did um, did something good um, and something meaningful. And, uh, you know, I mean, I feel like that's about as big of a victory as the clones can have against the Empire without it you know, kind of seeming unbelievable. 
um, or having to tragically watch a bunch of them get wiped out. So I feel like that would be a good place to leave it, which, you know, then makes me wonder, well, if there is going to be another season, does that mean that something's going to go wrong? Like we could have the season could end on a cliffhanger with like Omega being captured by the empire and them taking her somewhere else. And then the whole next season is them trying to get Omega back or they discover some other plan or weapon or something that the empire has in motion that now the bad batch is like oh now we're the only ones who can stop that so we got to get back in the fight and help out with this other thing so um yeah i think if the story is going to continue after this i think they might throw some curveballs in the finale that are going to kind of shake things up um so yeah i don't know like i said i'm excited for next week i'm a little nervous for next week i hope everybody makes it out okay but i don't know we'll see yeah, we'll definitely be there watching. Well, here's the plot for season three. Omega goes to find her long-lost brother, Boba Fett. There you go. <laughs> mm, okay, okay. Um, yeah, that would be interesting. Um, I'm sure they could find ways to... I don't know if you can extend that story for a whole season, but at least for a good yeah. chunk of episodes, that could be a, a cool plot thread to explore. Yeah, definitely. I don't think that would make for a whole a whole season long story arc, but to have him show up at some point would be pretty cool. Yeah, just fill in the unfinished uh, Cad Bane Boba Fett story in the middle of it, and then <laughs> yeah. you can meet up with the Bad Batch and Omega later. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, that, we just have one more week to wait to see how the season wraps up. So um, yeah, it'll be fun to get to see that and then talk about that with you guys and compare, you know, how our theories were right or wrong or whatever. So um yeah one more week of bad batch but in the meantime let's get into this week's episode of the mandalorian uh episode or chapter 20 uh the foundling um and man when we you know i'm just gonna jump right into like the highlight of the episode <laughs> for me right when we got that title the foundling it was like oh is this gonna be a grogu centric episode are we gonna see more mm -hmm. of that order 66 <laughs> flashback and we sure did. And first of all, I love the way that they sort of mirror the same framing device from season one. Yes. That now that they're back with the armor and the Mandalorian covert and everything, and they're sort of bringing Grogu more into the fold and having him train with the other foundlings and stuff. Um, the armor makes him a new piece of armor and she's explaining to him the significance of the forge and everything. And then as she starts banging on the metal, uh, you know, he starts having those flashbacks and then, you know, we go into the Order 66 flashback just like we did as we saw all the glimpses of Din's past in season one. So that was a really cool touch. It was cool to see Grogu get a new piece of armor. Um, but yeah, to see that Order 66 flashback again and to now finally see the full thing fleshed out. Uh, we see the clone troopers cutting through the door. We see them bust in and shoot all the Jedi that are there in the hallway protecting him. And uh, then, you know, one of them sends him into an elevator. The elevator goes down to the lower levels and he's rescued by Keller and Beck, played by none other than Ahmed Best. Um, and man, what a cool surprise, cool reveal, cool moment for Ahmed Best. Obviously, if you know his story, um, it's just so awesome to see him get to shine in a moment like this, playing a heroic Jedi master and getting sort of the honor of having, you know, this really important role in the story of being the one that saved Grogu. Um, but we get, you know, some cool action scenes here where he's, uh, you know, deflecting blaster bolts and cutting down clone troopers and then gets on a speeder bike and escapes with Grogu. And they have this whole chase through Coruscant where like there's gunships after him, there's uh, V-wings coming after him. Um, they meet up with a bunch of uh, Naboo security forces, which 
begs a question that I wonder if we'll get answered later. I'm like, wait, these guys are from Naboo. Like, does Padme know about this? Did she have any connection to Grogu? Or um, because again, from because they're from Naboo, did these have guys have some connection to Palpatine? And maybe they've got this ship program to take Grogu somewhere where they think it's going to be safe. And actually, it's like Palpatine set this up all along. I don't know. We there's a lot more, still a lot yeah. of questions to be answered <laughs> and a lot more to speculate on this. But um, just to see, you know, Keller and gets Grogu to the ship safely. They take off. But um, man, what a what a cool. Um, just again you know surprise reveal and a perfect way to use that character i've been telling everybody like so for those who don't know uh a couple of years ago they did a youtube series called uh star wars jedi temple challenge and it was hosted by ahmed best in character as this jedi master keller and beck and it was a sort of a, a game like competition show for kids where these kids would do like puzzles and physical challenges and stuff and like you know obstacle courses and stuff like that and there were like teams of two kids and they're all competing to try to like complete the challenges faster than the others and then the two that win at the end of the episode get to like become jedi knights and as a you know fun little kid thing um i actually i remember when this came out i you know i know of it i'm familiar with it i had never watched it until today i actually just watched the first episode because i was oh, thinking yeah. about mando and this character and stuff and i was like you know i should actually watch that and it was fun like i don't honestly me as a 32 year old grown adult i don't necessarily need to watch the rest of the episodes but like it's the kind of thing that if i was a kid or if i had a kid i definitely would want to watch that with them right um, so it's I know, it's cool i was like why couldn't this be around when I was a kid? I would have exactly. Man, yeah. If I was, if I was 10 years old, I would have done whatever it took to try to get myself on there. That would have been so cool. So, um, yeah, it was cool just for Ahmed best to get to come back to star Wars and get that opportunity. Um, and of course we know his whole history with, you know, just the, the backlash and the bullying and the negativity and stuff that he faced for playing Jar Jar and kind of his, long road back to the franchise and being you know sort of embraced by a new generation of fans who grew up as kids loving that character and um you know there was a really touching moment a few years ago where like he got a standing ovation at celebration and obviously he's come back to voice jar jar like in the clone wars and stuff and even that i mean i can't speak for everybody but like I like Jar Jar in the Clone Wars more than Jar Jar in the movies. And those episodes, you know, there's obviously still some people that are like, oh, why is this still Jar Jar? And other people are like, hey, you know what? Like, some of these are actually pretty good episodes. Um, when you can build a whole episode around his, like, comic relief and make it work for the story, um, you know, some of those were really fun. So there's, you know, he's been... I think he he was away from Star Wars for a long time and then kind of slowly got back into it and realized like, hey, there are people that love me here and that want to welcome me back into this franchise. Um, and so then to get to see him even just host this show and get to play a Jedi Master was really cool. But then to get to see that Jedi Master in live action, um, you know, in, in a canon story in The Mandalorian um, and get to, like I said, have him play this really important role of being the one that rescues Grogu during order 66 was just a really cool, like full circle moment of um, him getting to kind of come back into this and really be fully embraced by the fans. And I've seen so many people be, you know, just really excited and happy to see this in there. And I'm really excited for him. Um, but it's also a perfect story choice too, because all the different things we had speculated about 
about these Jedi who could have uh, saved Grogu during Order 66. It's like there were so many different options and obviously they could have gone with just a random Jedi who, you know, they, they made up for this. Um, but, you know, I feel like to some people that would have felt a little anticlimactic just because anytime you see like snippets of flashbacks and stuff leading up to something, you always, you know, at least in this day and age, everybody wants to be like, have a big surprise reveal or a twist or something like that. Um, and of course we were all wondering like, oh, are we going to see Anakin in these flashbacks or are we going to find out that it's some Jedi master that we know that rescued Grogu? But even if you think about Jedi like Quinlan Voss or Shock T or people like that who like may or may not have survived Order 66 or ones that, um, you know, could have been around the temple at that time. It's like, yeah, it would be cool to see them show up, but also like you don't necessarily want to mess with the established continuity too much around like characters that we know um especially like obviously any jedi that we know died during order 66 to be like oh well actually like they got grogu out of the temple first and then they died it's like well you know you're kind of stretching the limits a little bit on the believability there so to introduce a known character like keller and beck who like the diehard fans are going to recognize the character or at the very least recognize Ahmed best because I know I've already talked to some people who like didn't know what the Jedi temple challenge thing was but they recognized Ahmed best and we're just happy to see him in there um you know so you you get to give people that surprise um and that that kind of um you know familiar reveal and at the same time because this is a character who's never actually appeared in a canon story before you're not really messing with the established continuity or doing anything with a character whose story we already knew around that time frame so this was just a perfect choice one that i never would have thought of or or would have seen coming um but as soon as i saw it put a huge smile on my face i and i immediately like i said just appreciated kind of the the brilliance of that move and then um was just thoroughly enjoying the rest of that whole chase scene and everything. I mean, it was just great to see more of Coruscant. We even, you know, at one point they go through the Monument Plaza again that we just saw in the last episode. And I was like, oh, wait, where have we seen that recently? Oh, it was on this same show just last week. Um, (laughs) It's funny that, you know, back-to-back weeks, we've had one episode about uh, an Imperial scientist, uh, you know, being um, accepted into the New Republic and trying to smuggle cloning technology and stuff on Coruscant. And then another episode where we've got uh, a Jedi master smuggling a Yoda baby out of the Jedi temple during order 66. And both of things happen. Both of these things happen in a show about Mandalorians. Um, And I love that. I know some people will complain and say, Oh, this is distracting from the story. And it should be more about Mando. I'm like, I love all this stuff. It's just star Wars. I don't care what label you put on the, you know, what title is on the show. It's all star Wars and it's great star Wars. Um, but this scene in particular was definitely some great Star Wars. So, uh, yeah, great to see Ahmed Best back. Great to actually get to see Keller and Beck in a show and uh, get some answers as to what finally happened with Grogu. So, yeah, this was really cool. Yeah, I mean, this was just fantastic. Like, lots of fun and just, like you said, a really happy moment uh, to see Ahmed Best make such a grand return to Star Wars in a big way because... Yeah, I knew of the character Kellerin Beck from the Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge um, when it was on a couple of years ago. And it was just cool. Even back then, it was just cool to have Ahmed um, be part of the universe in a small way again. But the fact now that he's really in the Star Wars canon plays a huge role to one of the 
most important characters or, or recent new characters um, in Star Wars with Grogu. It's just the perfect way to bring him back. It was just, I was blown away when it, they revealed who it was and who was the one who rescued Grogu. And like you said, it was just a brilliant move because, yeah, they could have gone with a familiar Jedi character one because obviously we speculated on it. Other fans have speculated on who could it possibly possi- be for the one who saved Grogu. And the fact that it was someone that none of us, I mean, I'll maybe there's one of you out there, but <laughs> I really think there was probably nobody who had Keller and Beck as the one who rescued Grogu. I did actually see somebody on Twitter who had predicted that it was because okay, uh, cool. somebody retweeted a tweet from like back on like March 3rd or something. And um, somebody who so, somebody had tweeted like the the screenshot from the trailer where you just see the flashback and all the Jedi waiting and the doors about to open. And they were like, all right, who do we think, who do we think rescued Grogu or something like that? And somebody had retweeted it with a picture of Keller and Beck in the caption was just like, okay, wait, but hear me out. And everybody in the comments was like, Oh my gosh, I love this. I never would have thought of this, blah, blah, blah. I hadn't seen that tweet when it was first going around. So, um, but then obviously, you know, just yesterday people were sharing that again, being like, wow, this person nailed it. So, well, I stand corrected then. <laughs> but not some, not something it. that your average fan would have thought of. Like I said, I mean, for me, that never would have been on my radar. So, yeah, because uh, to be honest, I couldn't remember exactly what era the TV show <laughs> was taking place. Like what part of the timeline Calendar Beck was in. For some reason, I thought, oh, was he part of the High Republic or was it during the prequel era? I, I couldn't remember <laughs> for sure. Um, so just when uh, for some reason, I mainly was gravitating towards that. He was someone from the high Republic. Cause I figured during that time when the show was airing, that's when the high Republic was first starting. So that could have been a way to kind of have a little connection there. So he was never someone I had on my list of possibilities to be in it. But man, when those, when you saw the elevator going down and you're just, you, you just know it's coming we're going to get a cool reveal here and the doors open and it's like, Oh man, that's Ahmed Best. Oh yeah, he played that Jedi character from the TV show. It's, it's got to be the same character. It was just awesome. It was just you didn't think about like you didn't have a letdown moment where it's like, wait, who's that? Or oh, it's not a character I'm familiar with. It's like, no, you're just immediately, instantly happy to see Ahmed Best again in Star Wars. That's the first reaction I know I had. I'm sure many other fans had. You were just happy to see Ahmed Best back in star wars as a jedi character that's i think what's most important about it not necessarily the character in universe um but in in our universe um because it's not really like a huge mind-blowing surprise for like a casual audience who's not familiar with um the character keller and becker even ahmed best as the actor who played jar jar but it's just a very cool it's a very great reveal for those of us who do know the situation uh, with Omnibus and all the crap he had to put up with for his portrayal of Jar Jar. That was not his fault at all. Regardless of if you love the character, or hate the character, Omnibus did, did his best performing the character the way George Lucas wanted it to be performed. Um, and I don't think he gets enough credit for doing what he did and pioneering that technology for motion capture that early on in that uh, digital performance of Jar Jar. So yeah, it was just awesome to see. It was just such a fitting reveal. I like that. It's just such a different type of surprise that we got with this one. 
And that's what I love about it so much. It just wasn't, you know, the great moments of what we saw Boba Fett in season two and Luke in season two. Those are amazing. And this one, like on a totally different level, is um, almost up there with that, just because, like we said, mainly for Ahmed Best, not for Keller and Beck as a character. So it's just so, mm-hmm. so much to love about it. And just, um, I'm happy too, it wasn't such a short cameo where we see him and then that's it. Like it cuts away, it goes back to the present with Grogu in the armor. And like you said at the beginning too, I just knew it was coming there as soon as we start seeing the armor start forging that piece and you see the machine go down and it cuts to Grogu. I, I'm all, but we're getting it. Here it comes. When are we going to see the Jedi and the lightsabers? Uh, or was it going to transition to that scene? So yeah, that was great. And another thing too, I didn't notice the first time, but Apparently, if you were familiar with the character of Keller and Beck, you knew he was going to show up before you saw him because one of the Jedi says to another Jedi, like, we got to get him to Kelleran. Mm-hmm. And that's where, obviously, he eventually got to. Um, but I didn't either, I didn't hear it great or I just probably didn't recognize the name. Um, but it was teased a few seconds before we actually saw him. So, um, but yeah, just a cool sequence. That's, that chase was really exciting to see too. And I was not expecting him to meet up with some Naboo soldiers, like they said, raises some interesting questions. Was Padme Padme involved? Did she already kind of have like a friendship with Keller and Beck um, beforehand and contacted some of her soldiers who were already on Naboo and told, let them know, or she was the one to let them know to expect Keller and Beck to come with someone? So just a lot of stuff there. Or is it part of Palpatine's <laughs> manipulation? That's the thing. I just going back to the Grogu's part of it, is it something where are the Jedi just protecting another youngling or is it kind of making a special, more of an effort for Grogu because he is so important and special and they're really focused on making sure he stays safe. And an opposite of that, did Palpatine maybe send some clone troopers like on a, a special mission that wasn't known maybe to Anakin, the other members of the 501st were like, you got to get me Grogu and get this baby to me. And maybe he had a contingency plan with these uh, Naboo soldiers still obviously being a senator from Naboo, that being his home plan, I'm sure he still has connections to uh, get some soldiers there or just get whatever he wants from Naboo. I'm sure he's able to get still as the chancellor without question. So just some other cool stuff and fun stuff to theorize on um, regarding the destination of where Grogu is going to go next. And I don't know if we're going to get it in this season, but it would be awesome to see the next stop for Kelleran and Grogu. And I'm, I'm really hoping it is Naboo because it'd be great to see that planet in the Mandalorian. So um, I'm, cl- I'm really glad we got this part of Grogu's backstory taken care of. I said this early on, I think when we got the trailer, we got that shot of the Jedi with their lightsabers. I was really hoping that we get the full uh, story of this uh, flashback played out um, to how it ends. I didn't want just a a little longer tease, but then we have to wait again to get the full um, recap recap of what happens to Grogu during the attack of the Jedi Temple. So I'm really glad we got the whole thing in this sequence right here. And of course, I got to mention how great it was to see clone troopers and hear clone troopers with Samuel Morrison voicing. I was again. literally just thinking that right before you <laughs> said it. Oh man, their suits in the Mandalorian and Obi-Wan, Book of Boba Fett, they just look so great. They're like so shiny here. They just look brand new. It just, yeah, I hate seeing them get mowed down, but still just 
visually they just look amazing. I wish we could have gotten more of their uh, firefight with the Nubu soldiers because I'd imagine even so a few uh, clone troopers got shot during their attack there. I, I would imagine those poor Nubu soldiers didn't have much of a chance against the Grand Army <laughs> of the Republic. So, <laughs> But again, just seeing them back in action again, I'll never get tired of that. And I'm just thankful for every time we get more live action stuff of clone troopers and again i'll echo this once more i said this before too but the fact that we're just getting more insight into the attack on the jedi temple during order 66 is just something you asked me that after back in 2005 2006 after revenge of the sith i'd go man that would have been awesome i would love to see that in the movie but i just kind of have to accept what we got in revenge of the sith that's how george wanted to show that but I just love that we're now just getting more insight into that attack of the Jedi Temple from Obi-Wan and uh, the little glimpse in Book of Boba Fett and now even more so here just from different sides of it too. Because it's just it's crazy to think about how, who knows, maybe this is happening at the same time where we see those Jedi trying to get Grogu out of the Jedi Temple off to Keller and Beck. And then at the same time, uh, Reva's trying to make her escape from the Jedi Temple and she runs into Anakin and just all that mm. chaos that's going on during this period here. It's just yeah. kind of crazy to think about. So yeah, this whole sequence did not disappoint. It was just such a highlight of the episode to see and finally getting the answer to who rescued Grogu. It, it couldn't, have been, couldn't have been a better choice. Glad it was someone who wasn't a really familiar and established character, but someone who's going to become more familiar to a lot of more fans and just casual audiences here as uh, Keller and Beck will now be known as um, the Jedi who rescued Grogu. And it's going to be interesting to see how, what happens to him too and how his story plays out and how um, Grogu eventually, um, obviously we know some bad, more bad stuff happens to Grogu. So it's going to be crazy to see, but yeah, all that was awesome. And again, just extremely happy for Ahmed Best to have this, opportunity to be back in star wars playing a jedi character and serve such a big role so it's just a big win all around getting this reveal and the answers of who rescued grogu yeah definitely now and like we said that it also raises a lot of questions like we said the you know with the naboo guards that definitely could be some palpatine connections there um but even just in general like okay where do they go from here like he got rescued and got off coruscant safely now we still have a 30-year gap to fill um, from how did he get from there to, you know, Arvala 7 in the first episode of The Mandalorian um, with the Empire and everybody on his tail. So uh, lots more story to still explore there. I think we'll still get a lot more of that stuff explored over the course of the show and, you know, through these flashbacks. Um, it's funny because I feel like over the course of Mando season one, we got so many little glimpses of flashbacks. And then it wasn't like until the final episode that we sort of got the full reveal of like how he was saved by the Mandalorians as a kid. Um, and so just getting the like the length of this scene that we did, it almost feels like, oh, this is enough for the whole season. Like we don't need more Grogu flashbacks than this. But at the same time, like I said, um, now that you have that sort of device in place and uh you know, we, we've seen um, him building this connection with the armor and her starting to make more armor for him and stuff. It's like this could be something that they continue in future seasons or it could be something that we see more of even throughout this season. Um, but whenever we get more, I'm excited to find out more of that story. I'm excited to see more of Keller and Beck. I hope we don't have to watch him suffer some sort of tragic end at some point. Um although it kind of seems likely because otherwise like in the present day, where is he? And you know, why did he stop protecting Grogu? So 
Um, unfortunately, that story might not have a happy ending, but at least for now, you know, Ahmed Best gets this triumphant return as this Jedi Master, and I hope we at least get to see a lot more cool stuff with him before we have to um, see them part ways at some point. But um, yeah, it was just, it was really cool. I feel like we could almost talk, you know, do a whole episode just on this part because, right. <laughs> you know, not only was it just a really cool scene and like you said, just getting to see more of Coruscant, seeing Republic gunships in action again, seeing yeah. <laughs> more clone troopers and especially because like we saw, uh, you know, we, we've seen them in um, like in the book of Boba Fett when we saw sort of the beginning version of this flashback scene. And then of course in um, Obi-Wan, um, you know, we, we saw more stuff with live action clones, but I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first time that they've had at least this much dialogue. Um, because there was something in this sequence that just sort of stood out to me about like, oh, wait, uh, it was like, what is it about these these lines that they're saying? And I was like, oh, it's just new clone dialogue from Tawara Morrison. Like, yeah. we just haven't heard that in a, in a while. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was so cool like already just talking about this i want to go back and watch the episode again i watched it twice yesterday but uh <laughs> yeah i think i'm gonna again. go i think i'm gonna go watch this again after we record it but i can't get off and go watch it yet because we also have to talk about the other 66 percent of this episode um number pun not intended i was just trying to figure <laughs> the math of how, how much of this episode was flashback and how much of it was freaking mandalorians flying on jetpacks chasing dragons like right. <laughs> that was also some really cool stuff and it was like plot wise this was kind of just a um i don't know maybe it wasn't the most exciting story for an episode it was kind of just pretty straightforward mandalorian finally gets kidnapped by this flying raptor thing that they're like oh there goes another one because apparently this happens a lot because they you know they've chosen to live on this planet where apparently it's secluded enough that nobody's gonna find them but the drawback is that everything there wants to eat you um so Mando and Bogatan and Paz Vizsla, they get a hunting party together to go rescue this foundling that turns out to be Paz Vizsla's son. Um, but man, I mean, this whole episode was just filled with, first of all, some beautiful shots, like yeah. just gorgeous landscape shots of Mando's walking across the mountains and flying through the air on jetpacks. And gosh, that shot of like, when the thing is flying away and all the mandos are going after it on their jetpacks and then they all run out of fuel and they're like, Oh shoot, we can't keep chasing it. And then here comes Bo-Katan and her ship, like outpacing all the rest of them. And it's like, you just see the the ship chasing the dragon off into the sunset. And there was just, man, some incredible cinematography, great direction from Carl Weathers. Um, but also just some really great character interactions and Mandalorian lore and, uh, you know, see, even just at the beginning, seeing them all training together and, you know, seeing the foundlings training and um, seeing, you know, Mando explaining more to bo about the creed and how do Mandalorians eat and, you know, who leads the hunting party and all this kind of stuff. It was just, it was really cool to see Mandalorians in their element. Um, yes. mm -hmm. and as much as part of me kind of was feeling a little bit like, okay, but like, let's get back to the main story and like, you know, Moff Gideon and the empire and like, what's the big threat out there? And like, are we going back to Mandalore? And what about the mythosaur and all this kind of stuff? Um, you know, this didn't feel like one that hugely like moved the plot forward aside from finally getting, you know, the information about Grogu that we got. 
Um, but also, like I said, I mean, for, for a halfway point of the season, it was, I did kind of enjoy having one episode where we just kind of get to see, like, especially now seeing Din and Bogatan come back into the fold of the clan. Um, you know, just again, seeing a, an episode of kind of Mandalorians in their element, they're training, they're fighting, they're living together. Uh, they're hunting together. They're, they're protecting their own, um, so it was just kind of a very cool episode of like Mando's doing Mando things. Um, and then of course, at the end, we get that cool conversation between uh, Bogotan and the armor and Bogotan loses a piece of her armor while they're fighting the dragon thing. Um, we need a name for that thing. Cause I keep calling it a dragon. Like in the episode, they called it a Raptor, but it was like a flying Raptor thing. And I'm just like, we the thing better have a cool star Wars name. Um <laughs> I mean, not something so, simple, just like Frog Lady and Frogman. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. This can't just be like Dragon Bird or Flying <laughs> Raptor. Like we, it needs a cool Star Wars name. Um, but uh, yeah, so she loses a piece of her armor in the hunt, and she goes back, and you know, the the armor offers to make her a new piece, and it's like her shoulder pauldron, and she asks for it with the Mythosaur crest. Um, and, you know, as she's making it and they're talking and stuff, she says, you know, what if I told you that I saw a real one? Uh, or what if I told you I saw a mythosaur? And at first the armor is just kind of like, um, oh, well, you know, you, as a Mandalorian, you'll see many things or you'll have many. Or like she says, the mythosaur author, offer, often appears to people in visions or something. And bo like, no, I actually saw it, a real one. Um and eventually the armor is just kind of like, this is the way. And it's, so it's like, it's hard to tell, does she believe her or not? Um, it kind of seems like she doesn't. But then, you know, anytime somebody says this is the way, it's always such a sort of sincere acceptance of like the things that bond these Mandalorians together. And so um, I wonder if that's her maybe just sort of nonchalantly being like, okay, you saw a mythosaur. Um but you can tell, you know, the music gets a little bit ominous in that moment. And Bogatan, you know, even though you can't see her face as she's staring from, you know, behind her helmet, she's looking at the, the giant mythosaur crest that's on the wall. Um, and I'm like, something's brewing here. And and we're getting back to this point where I'm like, I don't know if we're going to be able to trust Bogatan or what her ultimate designs are. You know, is she... Um, is she still kind of harboring these ambitions to try to rule over everybody? It's one thing that's weird to me that they didn't bring up this entire episode is Din with the dark saber. Like now that he's back and accepted mm. among the clan, I'm like, is nobody going to like mention the fact that this guy has the weapon that makes him the leader of your people. <laughs> um, even though, I mean, I know Din doesn't want that responsibility and he's not especially proficient with that weapon. But even as they're like fighting the, the giant raptor dragon thing and it's got the kid in its claws, I was like, Mando, just pull out the Darksaber and slice its foot off. Um, and instead he went to just stab it with his knife. I was like, hello, guys, we've, we've got a Mandalorian with the Darksaber right here. Are we going to address this? Um, yeah, that's a good point. So I mean, I'm going to be honest. I didn't really think about that. I was watching it because I was just really enjoying and just being immersed in the action that was taking place but now that you mentioned it that is a good point now i'm just wondering is it because he's like doing it intentionally like he's hesitant to use it because like you said first of all he's not very proficient with it and he doesn't want to cause like an uproar amongst the convert like against the armorer or so i don't know as of right now maybe it'll get explained or mentioned in a future episode but i'm hoping it's because he's intentionally not doing it because he doesn't want to 
stir anything up or cause any trouble now that he'd just been reinstated with the, the convert after um you know being viewed as an apostate for so long amongst them so he probably just maybe doesn't want to stir the pot right now yeah maybe um but yeah i just wonder how that's all going to come back into play with bo katan is she going to still try to make a play for the dark saber is she going to try to just go like tame the mythosaur or you know she clearly has um i don't know she's she's got thoughts brewing in her head and it's hard to tell what she's thinking because now she's you know at least for now she's like all right i'm gonna keep my helmet on um but it was also cool to see her you know so quickly be accepted within the clan and um kind of prove her usefulness you know she's the one out hunting and tracking the beast and then, you know, offering suggestions and stuff. And they make her the leader of the party and give her, you know, the place of honor around the fire and everything. So, um, yeah, it was really cool. And I love the stuff they're doing with her character this season. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, like I said, it was a really cool episode of, of Mando's doing Mando things. Yeah. I mean, this episode, is the perfect example of how cool a Star Wars series can be when your two main characters is a Mandalorian and the other is a Jedi, <laughs> where you can get these two great segments that just focus on those aspects of it. And in regards to Din, I just loved how it showed how the episode began, just showing, as you've mentioned, the Mandalorians in their element element and just kind of showing what their culture is like. It's just all of them training in different ways, hand-to-hand combat um missile launching firing their blasters um using these uh, spears i don't know if there's the same beskar spear that didn't had but uh just all these different avenues that the mandalorians are training uh, in their warrior ways that they're known for it's just really cool to see that on screen and that was a great moment between grogu and uh Paz Vizsla's son, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now but um he Paz Paz's son it's, already uh, Ragnar Ragnar, okay. Which is like the um, most Mandalorian sounding name you could possibly come up with. <laughs> Ragnar the Great. <laughs> I'm sure Ragnar Vizsla. <laughs> uh, but he already has like a cocky side to him as what he kind of scoffs at the idea of Grogu being a challenge or challenging him uh, to that little duel they had. I mean, how great was it seeing Grogu get strapped with his little uh, <laughs> dart handle on his head? It was just great. And yeah, I also you know, love how seriously that Mandalorian judge was taking, you know, the, oh, yeah. the training competition where Mando's like, he likes, he wants to challenge and they're just, he's too small. And then Mando's like, well, I speak for him. I'm his ward. You know, I'm, I'm going to let him fight. And then, you know, just anytime one of, one of them was hitting with a, a dart, he'd be like, point, you know, just like, <laughs> like he was, you know, judging like the bad. karate world championships or something. <laughs> No, but that moment where Grogu uses the Force and just leaps back and forth and gets those three quick shots in was just awesome because when people ask, or when Bo asks how he learned to do that, or he asked, Din says, it wasn't from me. We're like, we all know who taught him that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah, just knowing that it's Luke, it's just so amazing and cool to look back on that episode that we saw in the Book of Boba Fett. So that was just a great way to kick off this episode, just seeing the Mandalorians do uh, what Mandalorians do and just training to fight and to be warriors. So that was just great. But yeah, the action when they go after the Raptor, it was just awesome. Just seeing some visuals that, again, which is what I love, visuals and action sequence we've never seen in Star Wars before. I mean, it's something so simple as like, but it looks so cool seeing a group of Mandalorians climbing up this mountain and just 
looking over this big bird's nest. <laughs> I mean, it's just such a unique visual for Star Wars that we haven't got before. And yet it looks awesome. And the effects were just great in this episode uh, with the raptors and the the attack that they did uh, to try to rescue uh, Paz's son there. So it was just great all around. And then just um, one thing I was thinking of too, when it comes to Paz Vizsla, just how even from the first episode, he appeared in the third one in season one, The Sin, where it's something like there's always been a rivalry between him and Din. And then um, he came to help him at the end of this episode. It looks like, you know, they were kind of on better terms there. But then when we saw him in the Book of Boba Fett and he wants the Darksaber and he feels he was the rightful one to wield it. And then once Din revealed that he removed his helmet, something like Paz Vizsla <laughs> obviously wanted nothing to do with Din Jar and just hated him it seemed like and was always hesitant to welcome him back um he was even hesitant to believe him when he said he bathed in the water so but now it seems like they're going to be on good terms for the foreseeable future it doesn't get any bigger than when someone rescues uh your own son so um it was just great i just love this family element that we're seeing amongst the mandalorians in, in this culvert so uh they're just really looking out for one another and just um either if you've been there for a while if you're new like like you mentioned them welcoming Bo-Katan and just a nice little touch that I loved about the end of this episode too is how because I was a little bummed when I saw the raptor get killed uh, by the sea monster we saw from the first episode or maybe thought oh man now uh, her baby's gonna be left alone with no one to take care of them so when it got revealed that the Mandalorians actually took them in and Bo-Katan even refers to them as new foundlings. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> this episode is just fantastic. It's yeah. There's nothing disappointing about it. So regardless of, of the uh, the wonky physics of how all three of those yeah. babies fit inside that <laughs> ship with a bunch of Mandalorians, <laughs> like Bo-Katan's flying the TARDIS and we never knew this whole time. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's fair. <laughs> but I'll, I'll look past it. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's going to be great because, you know, they're probably going to age pretty quickly and get bigger pretty quickly. And we're going to see Mandalorians riding. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, I felt the same way. I was like, you know what? I'll allow it because we're going to get Mandalorians riding dragon mounts. Like, I mean, we're going to see Din or I don't know, maybe Bo-Katan now on the Mythosaur. They're going to see Mandalorians on the, <laughs> those Raptors. It's just, I tell like you I, what, man, they went all out with the creature budget for this season. Right. Like, um, Man, it's crazy because you think about the, the earlier seasons and it's like, I know we got the crate Dragon in season two, um, but that was like, you know, just for one episode. And then season one, um, there really wasn't really anything on that scale. I mean, we had the there was a monster in the first episode. There was a monster in the like... first episode, but I mean, that wasn't like super detailed. I mean, the, and that yeah. looked good, but it didn't like wow you like it was a thing that just kind of popped out and then they got away from it, but nothing about that made me go like, wow, that's like really good looking mm -hmm. visual effects for a TV show. But like, I mean, with the, the crate dragon in season two, I remember being like, dang, like that looks like this is like movie scale visual effects quality. And like, this is a TV show that I'm watching right now. Even the spiders um, too, in the second episode, those look great. As well. the, the spiders looked great too, but especially the scale of it too, you know, to yeah. have like just that, that massive of a creature and to have it look that good and that detailed. Um, and then it's like, we've had something like that almost every episode so far this season. Like we had the, uh, you know, we had, um, the big crocodile turtle thing in the first episode. And then we had the mythosaur in the second episode. Um, and then this one, we have the, the flying guys and then the crocodile turtle again. But um, 
so yeah, who knows what we're going to get for the rest of the season, aside from the fact that we're probably going to see the mythosaur again and see more of these flying guys. So um, I, I said this on our last episode or, or was it two episodes ago? I can't remember, but I'm really hoping for a live action Zillow beast. I mean, <laughs> if that clone is still out there and fully grown by now, that would be awesome to see a live action. See, I don't know. It's something about like the skinniness of the Zillow beast and it's weird, like three arms and three legs. Like I always felt that that would kind of only work as an animated design. Um, I think it pull it off. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I will say, I thought it looked better. I actually think that the, the baby one in the bad batch that was like crawling around on the ship. I think that's the best looking version of the Zillow beast we've seen so far. Um, I kind of like that better than just like the big towering, you know, lanky worm boy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, that knowing Dave Filoni, I wouldn't put it past him at some point. <laughs> right. um, Maybe not in the Mandalorian, but who knows where it could show up. Maybe in the skeleton crew. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, no, this one was just a ton of fun. Um, and speaking of the ending too with Bo-Katan, where she's telling uh, the armor about the mythosaur, even before that, where uh, the armor was building her new piece of armor, I actually thought, oh, are we going to get another flashback sequence here with Bo-Katan? Right? Just going by the patterns that we were just talking about before with Din and Grogu, but maybe they're saving that for another time. But because Maybe. Well, because here's the thing. Like... We know Bo-Katan's story already, at least those of us who've watched the, you know, watched Clone Wars and Rebels, so they don't need to do a Bo-Katan flashback. But but also the opportunity. Well, that's true. That's true. We oh yeah, you know what? That's a good point because we know sort of how she lost Mandalore, and we've seen it be destroyed by the Empire, but we haven't seen her lose the Darksaber. Um so we could get that flashback, but also my mind immediately went to just like, man, are we about to see some flashbacks of like Maul and Satine? Um, which I figured we weren't. So I wasn't disappointed that that didn't happen. But, you know, again, now that we're seeing flashbacks for other characters than just Din, you know, that could be on the table. I don't know. Everything's a possibility now. Whoever's getting yeah. their armor forged, right? Exactly. Prepare for a flashback. Yep. Um, so yeah, it was. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say too. I was kind of one of the things I was wondering about. I just really curious to see why she wasn't telling anyone about the mythosaur that she saw in the second episode. Um, now it's I'm kind of thinking, or at least for me anyway, it kind of became clear where she it wasn't that uh, she was hiding it on purpose, or she like I have a secret. I'm not gonna tell these guys. Was, she was more hesitant, like she wanted to tell them, but now it kind of felt like she didn't want to tell them because she didn't know if they would believe her and that she would sound mm -hmm. crazy to them, especially kind of being this new member in there. Um, yeah. So now I'm kind of thinking like she wanted to tell them, but she was just hesitant because she wasn't sure what their reaction would be. But now she did. And it was still yeah, one of I those things where like, yeah, now is she doubting herself now? Or like, did I actually see it? <laughs> or was it just kind of maybe believing more like the magical properties of the waters, so to speak, that she always kind of made joked about with din so i don't know now i'm wondering if she's going to start maybe doubting herself or she's thinking or just offer her opportunity to to find to really keep it to herself if the armor is not going to believe or just says um kind of shrugs it off then no one's in this convert is probably going to believe her as well so maybe she's going to use it to her advantage but i don't know i kind of took it as she might be even doubting herself now that maybe it was just a vision there so 
Um, still not fully clear on what obviously what's going to be in store for her and her being the only one to see myth- the mythosaur, but did get a better, clearer picture as far as uh, why she was keeping it to herself for a bit anyway. Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors at play there because, um, you know, like you mentioned, part of it could just be, uh, I don't want to sound like the crazy new person coming into the convert on my first day being like, hey, what's up, guys? I saw a mythosaur. Um, but also maybe being like, maybe feeling like she needs to earn their trust first, but also maybe feeling like they need to earn her trust first. Like she's not Mm -hmm. sure if she wants to tell them or if she even wants to be part of this group or not knowing how they'll react to her being there, just given that, you know, they already kind of had some distrust of her and stuff. Um, So I think there's, there were a lot of reasons for her to just kind of play that close to the chest um and also maybe she wasn't even sure because she didn't walk their way and wasn't as familiar with their creed and stuff like what to them is the full significance of the mythosaur you know if she told them that she saw a mythosaur maybe she was like is that going to make me a hero to them is it going to make me a villain is it going to make me cursed is it going to make me blessed like you know maybe she needed to find out find out some more information in that regard too um i will say the way that that final scene was framed and especially the music coming off a little bit more kind of ominous. Um, I don't necessarily think she was doubting herself. I think it was kind of setting it up for like her against everybody else. Hmm, okay. um, like this mythosaur represents some kind of power and Bogatan wants that power. That's kind of the vibe that I'm getting, especially after this episode of seeing how well she not only fit in with the clan, but you know, how, uh, how well people like followed her lead like again seeing her out on the hunting party and them giving her sort of the place of honor and respect and everything um and you know really earning their honor and respect by the end of it with the hunt being successful and then the armor you know like repli- honor uh, offering to to uh replace her missing armor piece and stuff um this kind of really felt like you know her sort of earning her place among the people and earning herself as a leader and uh just a a, a capable and respected Mandalorian and now her being like wondering how far she can take that. Um, and, you know, cause I, she's used to having, having people to lead and, you know, her other group left and she's like, you know, now can I accomplish my goals with this group? Um, I think is maybe still like all the stuff that's kind of kicking around in her head right now. So it's going to be very interesting to see for the rest of the course of this season, what her motives and goals are. Um, and uh yeah just sort of what the group dynamic ends up being between her and din and paz and the armor and all these guys like i i love seeing them all working together you know in this episode but um yeah i don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case by the end of things yeah true <laughs> i was kind of hoping it would have been the four of them that went on the hunt for the raptor because there's that great promo poster that i have with my twitter header image of just all four of them in a row with their helmets mm. uh, just looking awesome so it kind of teased that they might be doing some stuff together or going on some adventures and i thought this might have been it but it was still obviously cool regardless but it would have been cool to have the armorer join them on this hunt yeah but then again we wouldn't have gotten the flashback with grogu so <laughs> if she that's true that's true armor. yeah she had to stay behind to give us the exposition exactly <laughs> um but yeah, really cool episode. Like I said, I'm I'm gonna go watch it again right now because even just talking about it has got me you know even more excited. Um, but yeah, this one was a lot of fun, and uh, again, just starting to 
like build up and tease more stuff that I can't wait to see more of throughout the rest of the season. Um, especially with, like I said, sort of just the Mandalorian dynamics and Bo-Katan and the Mythosaur and all that. And then also seeing if we maybe get some more of Grogu's history with Keller and Beck. And it was just awesome to see him and see Ahmed Best back in this episode too. So um, yeah, nicely done. Carl Weathers with a, yes. a well-directed and really fun episode. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he did a good job with the season two episode, but this one just knocked you knocked it out of the park with the scale, the scope, and just the storytelling in it. Yeah, it was just so well done. Um, yeah, all the way around. Yeah, and it's like it, obviously we knew it was written by John for John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Is like I wonder what part Dave Filoni wrote in this one. <laughs> yeah, part for John Favreau, <laughs> but still, yeah, all combined for a great episode. Yeah, definitely. Um. All right. Well, uh, before we wrap up here, I know, uh, you know, you put out the question as always on social media, seeing what everybody else thought of this episode. So did we get any good responses? Um, yeah, I've got a couple on Twitter. Our first up is from Berkspa. He says, the Bad Batch is much what Star Wars at this point. Enjoying Mando, but loving the Bad Batch. And then Rich Brockwell says he's actually waiting to binge uh, the Bad Batch until the season is complete. But um, for The Mandalorian, he goes, The Mandalorian is exciting, but they need a bit more agency this season. I enjoyed the episodes, but this season, compared to the previous two, feels a bit rudderless. Hopefully the next few episodes will write that. Um, and as he, as I read that saying the next few episodes will write that, it just made me think, man, we're halfway through the season already. <laughs> we only got yep. four left. But um, I, hopefully it will for you, Rich. I think still we've gotten some great stuff this season already, but I would bet that the best is yet to come in these last remaining half of the episodes. So um, hopefully they'll uh, do the job or what you're looking for in these next four uh, to end the season on. So um, yeah, and glad to hear that, Berks, but you're enjoying the Bad Batch, especially these last few episodes. Uh, sounds like you're loving them just as much as I have. So um, anxious to see those final episodes next week as well. And man, I'm going to miss having Mandalorian and the Bad Batch on the same night it's been mm -hmm. awesome i know paul's not the biggest fan of that he wants to have the serious face doubt which uh, i can understand but man when you get great star wars like this on a nightly ba or a weekly basis on the same night one animated one live action i mean i'm just in star wars heaven when i get to watch these tv shows on the same night it's it was awesome so even though it's one more week i've really been appreciating and just savoring these last few weeks of getting both the Bad Batch and the Mandalorian, especially when they're episodes as good as this one was. And then a couple of weeks ago with uh, the Outpost and the Minds of Mandalore. So yeah, uh, these have been a special few weeks for Star Wars. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And these are, you know, the times we'll look back on and go, oh man, remember when we were getting both of those at the same time and just how much great stuff that was. Um, so yeah, it's been a fun ride. And uh I mean, I won't necessarily say I'll miss it just because there's going to be so much more awesome stuff coming out through the rest of the year. So um, it would be one thing, you know, if we were only getting two Star Wars things this year and they were coming out at the same time, I kind of would wish that they were spaced yeah. out a little bit more. But um, yeah, we've still got plenty more stuff coming after this. So, yeah, it's been a ton of fun. But yeah, thank you guys for chiming in with your comments. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, like I've seen a few other people have kind of similar sentiments as Rich that like, this season so far doesn't really feel like it has a lot of urgency to it or doesn't have like a sort of a clear direction that the story is going. But um, I still think, like I said, I feel like we're just kind of building on, a, they're, they're putting a lot of pieces in place. 
and it's maybe not as of yet doesn't maybe quite feel like it's all building in the same direction but i think once it gets going and they start pulling all these different pieces together i think it's going to turn into some really cool stuff and i think it's already been some really cool stuff like you know these i've had a lot of fun with these first four episodes um but i can see how like there hasn't necessarily been like a driving uh sort of a driving plot line through the season to this point especially since he's already gone to mandalore and we kind of thought that was going to be sort of the main focus of this season is din trying to get to mandalore um but yeah now that we've got sort of all these different pieces on the board of uh you know keller and beck and dr pershing and um you know just din being back with the mandalorians and bogatan having seen the mythosaur and uh you know the the pirates being out there with uh gory and shard like i think there's a lot of stuff so far that's just been like, hmm, interesting. That's going to be big later in the season. And now that we're at the halfway point, I think we're going to get to the point where it's like that stuff is going to start being big later in the season and we're going to get to start seeing some big payoffs. So, um, yeah, I've I've been enjoying it a lot through these first four episodes, but I get the feeling that the last four is going to be like, all right, buckle up. Especially, uh, I forget who's directing next week's episode, but the week after that is directed by Bryce Dallas Howard with um, – you know, given her track record and especially the episode of the book of Boba Fett that she directed and uh, the episode of Mando season two that she directed, I'm expecting that one to be an absolute banger. And then Rick Famuyiwa directing the last two episodes of the season. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be some really fun stuff to close out the year or the year, the, uh, the season here. <laughs> and it's weird that we're already halfway through, but uh, still got a, a, another month of great Mando content. And then we're going to have a ton of stuff to look forward to from celebration with new announcements and trailers and stuff. And then Jedi survivor and then Ahsoka will be here before you know it. So um, as what's, much what's as that, gonna, what's that line we always say, Kyle, uh, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. <laughs> um, Indeed it is. <laughs> yeah, never been more true than it is right now. It just gets more true with each passing day because right. <laughs> you know, I feel like we've already had some some great years and some great times where there was tons of cool Star Wars stuff coming out, but it just does not stop. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. But again, thank you guys for chiming in with your thoughts. Thank you for listening. Um, as always, you can connect with us online on Twitter at Star Wars TSC and uh, at Facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. And you can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. And uh, you also check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com. Um, but uh, yeah, that's going to do it for now. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about another episode of The Mandalorian. We haven't heard anything yet as far as I know about what the title or the runtime is uh, for the next episode, but I'm sure it'll probably come out like tomorrow right after we record this. Um, I say come out. It'll leak as it's been leaking for the past <laughs> couple of weeks, but I'm not complaining. At least it gives us a little something to look forward to for the next week. Yes, um, it's a little tease, yeah. And before yeah. we really sign off, I just need to mention the runtime. Even though this was the shortest episode of the series, um, it had a great flow and pace to it where it didn't feel like, I mean, of course you want it to last longer because it's so great, but it didn't feel like, oh man, this is way too short here. They didn't have enough time to tell the story they wanted to tell. I think it just had a great pace for the type of story they wanted to tell in this one episode. So didn't yeah. matter at all that this was the shortest one of the season. No, the absolutely not. And um I mean, now that I think about it, it's even though there have been some shorter episodes of The Mandalorian, it's really hard to pinpoint anywhere they felt like it was too short. Um, 
or like the story felt rushed or anything like that. But yeah, I saw some people kind of worried about that coming into this week where they're like, oh, it's only 30 minutes. And the thing that I went back to was um, the season two episode, The Heiress, which was the one where Bo-Katan appeared for the first time. Um, and that's one of those ones directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, like I was talking about. I think that episode is only like 33 minutes long. Like that's one of the shortest ones of the series. And that is one of the most intense, like well-paced, um, you know, like just lean, no fat on it type of episodes where, um, you know, it's a quick 30 minutes, but it's, uh, you know, it's just a great episode that's just as long as it needs to be to tell a great story. So I wasn't worried coming into this one that they could do that again. And uh, I think this definitely pulled it off. Yeah, without question. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it's been, you know, a, a relatively lean episode from us talking about it, too. But, you know, it's kind of nice to <laughs> come on go. here every week and just have an hour and a half discussion about one Mando episode and not have to try to cram a bunch of stuff into a four hour discussion. So, um, yeah, instead of it being like past my bedtime, I'm going to sign off and go watch the episode again and enjoy the rest of my evening. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to do the same. Except I'll probably do Bad Batch because I've only seen that once. And I oh, there think you I've go. another one again. <laughs> See, again, that's one where, like, there's still some episodes from earlier in the season that I've still only watched once that I would watch again before this one. Because really with this one, like, I'm just going to wait to watch all three of those episodes for the finale back to back. In fact, I might rewatch this week's episode of Bad Batch, like, right before the last two drop next week. Um but I still need to go back and rewatch like the clone conspiracy and truth and consequences and stuff like that. So I don't know if I have time, maybe I'll watch some bad batch tonight too, but definitely going to go watch some Mando after having a fun discussion about it. So uh, thank you guys all for tuning in uh, and listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode of Mando as much as we did, uh, but we will see you again next week. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody.